and to bring his hope and life to individuals and communities. That's what we do. If we want to sum up in a sentence what we're all about, that's it. We want to get to know Jesus, and then we want to share what he gives us with other people, and we want to make a difference. We want to be outward focused. Um, We are not the kind of church where you come and you sit around gazing inwards at ourselves and enjoying that and then doing nothing about it. And so we want the message of the Bible, the gospel, the good news of Jesus to actually make a difference in our world. And uh, if you've been around here any length of time, you'll know that and you're probably involved in it because we talk about being scattered servants around here. And why do we do that? Well, because it's in the nature of God. He is a really good God. He is a God who is reaching out to his world. He is not a God who is sitting on some heavenly cloud waiting for us all to get around to behaving ourselves. He's actually someone who wants to reach in and rescue and save and heal and transform. That is the message of the Bible. That is the Jesus that we worship. And our vision, you know, most of the time, much of our activity as a church, is focused quite naturally on the areas in which we live, the, the, area, the, the area in which we find ourselves, the city of Winchester and the surrounding districts and the surrounding um, neighbourhoods and um, the places where God has placed us. You know, what we're really interested in doing is finding out how um, God is asking us, inviting us, calling us, even sending us to the people around us, to serve them and to bless them and to love them and to see God's kingdom have an impact on the people that we work with, the people that we live near, the people that we see at school, the people that we meet with at college, etc. But at different points in the year, as I said, we want to lift our eyes above the local and just focus a bit more on what God is doing out there in the world around us and um, see how we can get involved. And so every now and then we do these mission uh, global mission focuses and um, I'm gonna in- you're going to hear from one of our mission partners on video in a little while um, and I'll explain um, what else is, is going to happen. You're also going to hear some stories this evening from uh, some of the team that went over to uh, Uganda in uh, August to the Karis Kids um, Holiday Holiday Club, oh, that's not the right word, camp, holiday camp, um, which we'll tell you about. It's actually holiday, just camp actually, not a holiday camp. It wasn't, that kind of makes me think of Butlins or something and it wasn't really anything like that. Um, but before we get to that, first I want to just share a few thoughts with you. If you have a Bible with you, um, I would love you to turn to the book of Acts and to chapter 11. You might want to have one on your phone. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, we've got a pile of them over there at the back. You're welcome to uh, come and uh, borrow one. Um, but I want to look at Acts um, 11 and verse 10, which is about the church in Antioch. Just before I get to that, to kind of set that up and introduce it, um, Jesus, at the end of the Gospels, we read that Jesus' last instructions to his disciples were to uh, go into all of the world to make disciples of all nations. He said, I want you to basically, from this point, go to all nations, to all people groups, to all cultures, and teach them the things that I've taught you. That was, we call it the Great Commission. And this is Jesus' instruction to his followers. I want you to go, and everything I've done for you, I want you to share and teach others. And after Jesus um, went back to heaven, uh, we call it the ascension, the disciples then, following their instructions, he said, wait in this room until you, until you experience the Holy Spirit for yourself. He will come, he will empower you, and then you can go. And so that's what they did. They waited in a room, and then uh, at what we call Pentecost, uh, the first Pentecost, something like nine or ten days later, um, the disciples encountered the Holy Spirit in a really powerful way, um, such that they were filled with boldness and courage, and they literally went from the room that they were in out onto the streets and started to preach boldly and to speak and to see uh, to, to see the miracles and healings. And uh, as a result of that, on that day, we read that three thousand people give their lives to Jesus. 3,000 people make a, made a choice that they wanted to follow, uh, follow Jesus and to be disciples of Jesus. And so a community of believers started. They didn't even call it a church then. They didn't even call themselves Christians, but a community of people who wanted to follow Jesus. They called themselves the way, actually. who wanted to follow the way started. And we read in the first couple of chapters of Acts how this community grew and how every day they would spend some time worshipping in the public place, temple, and how every day they would spend some time in the small groups, just homes, sitting around the table, a bit like, just like our life groups. 
um, and how they had those dynamics going on, how they uh, would listen to teaching, how they would share their resources with one another, and how every day the Lord would add to their number the people who were coming to long to be part of this church. And so all of this grew, and the church grew in Jerusalem um, quite quickly, actually, and also, but it also attracted attention of the authorities. And so as a result of all that, um, not only did the church grow, but the um, suffering and the persecution that they experienced at the hands of the authorities also grew. Such to the point that there's a story about Acts 7 or 8 or 9, I can't remember exactly where, um, where um, one of the key leaders, Stephen, is actually put up and stoned to death and martyred because of his faith. And as, a res- and as soon as that happened, it kind of was a bit of a, um, a, a, a bit of a key moment, and the, the, the believers scattered. It says that they scattered from Jerusalem and went to all these other kind of places. And that's where we pick up the story here in Acts chapter 11. Um, so let's just read. I'm going to read from verse uh, 19 through to verse 26. It says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what what the grace of God had done, He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So this place, Antioch, it was in Syria back then. It's now in Turkey. It was uh, one of the first key places where a church sprung up after the believers had scattered out of Jerusalem. So much so that this church sprung up and the disciples thought, oh, we better send one of our guys down there to make sure they're all, I was going to say kosher, but that's not the right word. You know what I mean. To make sure that they're growing properly. And, um, and Barnabas was a pastor and a teacher and a leader. Obviously, it says he was a good man and full of faith. He had a good reputation we read about Barnabas earlier that he was also a generous man, that he um, brought a field and sold it to the apostles when they were back in Jerusalem. So Barnabas rocks up at this church, has a look at what's, what, what seems to have sprung up just from the natural process of evangelism and thinks, okay, great, this is great. Um, got a church to pastor here, going to need some help. Heard about this guy Saul. And if you know anything about the story of Acts, you'll know that Saul had had a pretty dramatic conversion from being one of the people that persecuted Christians to being one of the people that was a Christian, except that the disciples didn't quite understand that and they didn't quite get it and they didn't quite trust him. And so they'd sort of sent him away for a bit to see if this was real. And Barnabas thinks, I'll get this guy and he'll be able to help. So he brings him to Antioch and the two of them there lead the church. It says for a year, they stayed there together and they led the church and they taught the church and Whilst that was happening, Barnabas, I think, was also mentoring and encouraging young Saul, who ended up becoming Paul, who ends up becoming the uh, who ends up becoming Paul that wrote pretty much the rest of the New Testament, as we know it. And so Barnabas is an inc- and a great example of an incredible leader, anyway. And Paul obviously grew to be somebody who was very influential. But also in this passage, we see an example, and not the first, but an early example of what we might call cross-cultural mission. Because if you read that carefully, if you look back in verse um, 20, it says, Some of the men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also. So initially in verse 19, it says they've been spreading the word only among the Jews. They'd only really thought to tell their own people group, their own culture, about the story of Jesus and about the good news of Jesus. But actually, what happened here is that they went and told another people group. And so there was a beginnings of a diversity going on in the church with different people from different backgrounds, and people from different groups, and the, cult, the gospel of Jesus spreading. And you see, actually, that's one of the things that you can trace right back to the beginning of the Old Testament, that God, is, God and his message is for everyone. It's very clear when when God decided that Israel was the place and the Jewish nation were the people who he was going to kind of come to 
and chooses his special people to come and commune with and be with, he made it very clear that the mission was to start there but to go on out from there around the world it was quite a challenge for them because they kind of thought that they were just the special ones and God had to speak to them quite clearly but his plan was always to start with his people and then to go from there to other nations to go from there to the whole world that's the heart of God he's a missionary God who wants to start where we are but doesn't want it to stay where we are does that make sense? do you get that? Okay, so just jump ahead to um, chapter 13 and just three verses at the beginning of chapter 13 which continue this story of uh, the church in Antioch. So there, we were, when we left the story, Paul and Barnabas were there and they worked there for a year teaching and leading in this church. And then we read these verses at the start of chapter 13. It says, the church in Antioch, in the church in Antioch there were prophets and teachers. There was Barnabas, there was Simeon, there was Lucius of Cyrene, there was Manian who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and there was Saul. And while they were worshipping the Lord, and by the way when it says they it doesn't mean just those five people, it probably means the whole church. While the whole church were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And so after they fasted and prayed they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. There's only three little verses. It doesn't seem very remarkable. And yet I actually believe that if this hadn't been here, we wouldn't get the whole of the rest of the story of Acts. We probably wouldn't get the rest of the New Testament. And we probably wouldn't be here now. Because it's as a result of the journeys and the mission that Paul and Barnabas set off on. And then Paul continued pretty much for the rest of his life. The evangelism and the church planting that he was involved in. It's a result of all that that the church grew to what we know it to be today. And so these three verses are really important. The future, the, sorry, the fruit of Paul and Barnabas leading the church for a year together is that God calls them to go further afield. And actually, he's able to do that because the leadership in the church has grown. So as a result of their investment, People have grown, disciples have grown, leaders have been released. Not only has it grown, it's grown and it's diverse. I mean, they've got people, uh, Simeon called uh, Niger, or um, so he's probably from Nigeria or somewhere like that. Lucius of Simon, they've they've got leaders with different cultural backgrounds now able to step in and lead the church and take over, if you like, from Paul and Barnabas, such that Paul and Barnabas can be called to go and spread the world elsewhere. The aim of being in church is to grow in our faith. We were saying it earlier. It's to grow in community and to grow in our faith. And when we grow in our faith, healthy disciples will produce healthy disciples. If you are growing in your faith, if you're a disciple of Jesus, then the fruit of that, the natural outflow of that, should be that other people are growing too. That you're influencing others. And investing in them. And that's what happened here. If you're a leader in the church, then healthy leaders grow other healthy leaders. Unhealthy leaders, what they do is they kind of try and keep control of things and keep a lid on everything and make sure that they look good. But healthy leaders will release other leaders and grow and invest them such that there is resources for people to be sent to different places. That is the kingdom of God. That's what we read about in the whole of the book of Acts. That's how Paul continued his journey. He would basically go to a place. He would preach the gospel. People would get saved. He would start a church. He would have a quick look around and go, right, you stay there. You're in charge now. On I go. And he'd go off to a different place and do the same thing again. Or sometimes he'd stay with a group of people for a while and he'd train some leaders and then he'd send different ones to different places. That's how this thing works. So when I was about 16, I heard a guy speak in, a ch- in my church that I grew up in. His name was Steve Nicholson. He was a young vineyard pastor in his early to mid-30s. And he was a pretty radical, actually, we used to call him Kermit the Frog, because he sa- he's from Chicago, and he sounds a bit like Kermit the Frog. And if you don't know who Kermit the Frog is, then you really are young, and uh, that's a cultural reference that's gone over your head. Anyway, so Steve Nicholson, this man, wonderful man, I got the privilege of spending a bit of time with him the other day, just on Friday. He's um, got about three years to go before he retires. 
Uh, and he says he's retiring at the age of 70, so that must put him... He's about 66, I think, 66 or 67. Anyway, Steve is the leader of the Evanston Vineyard Church in Chicago, in one of the outskirts of Chicago, where he's been doing this job for 35-plus years. He's known in the vineyard movement as being one of the best leaders to invest in and train other leaders. Steve led the U.S. Vineyard Church's church planting team and initiative for 25 years. He led it across. He was responsible for church planting across the U.S. He didn't do it all himself. Obviously, he had a team, but he was the leader of that. In that time, 750 churches were planted in the U.S. Now, I don't, they're probably not all still going, but a whole chunk of them are. 750 churches in 25 years. We calculated that's roughly one church planted every two weeks on average across the United States. This is a man who is known for investing in leaders and investing in more leaders, thousands of leaders over the years. And I would love to get to the end of my life as a leader and not think, oh, you know, I got to speak to thousands of people or I got to stand on a big stage or... I just, you know, when I, when I get to the end of my life as a leader, I want to be able to say, I saw people grow and get released into ministry. And we saw things get started and planted. I want Winchester Vineyard to be responsible for starting congregations and churches and groups all over the place. And I want us to be responsible for sending people. And that's what we do. That's why we do this thing. That's why this mission thing is so important to us. So if you are at all... If there's any part of you that thinks that God might have spoken to you about one day, maybe in the future or even now, being involved in leadership or in mission or in church planting, if you know that that's something that God has spoken to you about, I would really encourage you to find someone like Steve Nicholson and hang out with him. Go and find somebody, even in this church, go and find somebody and get them to mentor you. Get them to invest in your life. Give them permission to speak into your life. Because that's how we grow. Don't wait for them to find you. Yeah? Go find someone. And if you are a leader in this church, in a small group or a team, or even if you are a leader in your workplace, keep your eyes open and be prayerful about who it is that God is putting around you. Because actually we won't have anybody to send out from here if we don't invest in the people in God's kingdom, in people's hearts and lives. That's what we're about. And so for Paul and Barnabas, you can read here what had happened. They had done this whole people investing thing and God has raised up these leaders and so God gives them this clear call. Set apart from me, Barnabas and Paul. When did the call come? What were they doing when they heard the call of God? Somebody shout it out for me. Pardon? No? They were worshipping, verse 2, while, the, while they were worshipping the Lord. And, oh, did you say fasting? I thought you said pastoring. They were pastoring, but that wasn't it. When they were, I, oh, I was giving you the benefit of the doubt there, Steve. When they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas. So they didn't hear the call of God while they were preaching or while they were, um, oh, I don't know. They just were getting about their business. The thing that you're called to do as a church, which is to worship God. And to follow Jesus. They were doing the things that they do. And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit speaks in really clearly. Again, Joe spoke about this just a few minutes ago. But that's that's the season we're in at the minute. We're trying to get ourselves before the Lord. We're trying to consecrate ourselves. We're trying to devote ourselves to him such that we can hear his voice. And you know, that might take two months or it might take two years. But we are intent, we are, we intend to stay in that place. Just getting before the Lord and listening for what he calls us to do next. And in this case, the call was, send these two off. They need to go and be elsewhere. And so the call was tested and it was recognized. And at that point, the church laid hands on them, it says, and blessed them and off they went. Important to make sure we're hearing God correctly particularly if, it's, if we're talking about moving. But actually, and this is where I want to finish what I want to say, and then I'm going to introduce a video, and you're going to hear from one of our mission partners, Larissa and Ned. And I'm going to just give you a couple of updates on other people. But 
very important to understand. Winchester Vineyard is a sending church. We want to be able to lay hands on and bless anybody who is called or sent from here. But the truth is, actually, we're all sent from here. Every time you come to this church on a Sunday and you meet with God and then you turn around and go out of the door again and out to your wherever it is you live and whatever it is you do, you are being sent. We're all sent. We're sent to our communities. We're sent to our networks, our friendship groups. We're sent to our neighborhoods. We're sent to our classrooms. We're sent to our colleges or our school playgrounds or our offices or our factories or our workplaces. We're sent to the gym or the sports club where we go hang out in the week. We're sent to our exercise class or our bike group or our five-a-side team. We're sent by God to a group of people and invited by him to share Jesus with him, one way or another, to share the hope and life of what he is doing for us, the things that we get in touch with sometimes together corporately when we're here, all of the things he's doing on our daily walk with God, and we're invited to send, we're invited to go and share that with others. We're all sent. Now, if you're doing that, you're probably sent to a people group similar to you, but actually some of us are also sent to go across to a different culture. There's a lady in our church who runs an, um, an, an English language class with some Syrian ladies. And she meets with them every week and teaches them English and actually is building community. And they're investigating the possibilities of starting a business, a catering business. And boy, we had some of their food the other day and it's really good. <laughs> but, you know, it might be that you're sent cross-culturally. You know, my uncle, um, back in the, starting back in the 70s, he was a doctor and he spent 15 years of his life working in a hospital in the jungle in the middle of... Um, Congo okay I mean literally miles from anywhere they had to not cut down some trees to build a little well not build clear a little bit of grass so they could land little planes on there to get resources in and out because it was so difficult to get there any other way if you wanted to go and share Jesus across to a different culture back in the day it used to be that you'd have to kind of basically pack up your whole life and go somewhere and commit to being there for a long time and that is still relevant this morning we heard from Johnny and Beth well, we heard from Beth specifically, who was sharing about the journey that they've had um, over in Central Asia, living in a completely different culture, making friends over there. Really incredible stories. Difficult time. Beth was sharing about how there's some stuff going on for them. They're back in the country at the minute, and Johnny's not well, and we're praying with them. We prayed with her, but she was sharing as well how difficult it was, having moved over there, been there four and a half years, and now effectively had to sort of very quickly come back and leave all the friends she she said we feel like strangers in this culture now because we've adapted to that culture that's a difficult thing to do but some people are called to do it and if people from our church are called to do it then we want to get behind and bless them and pray for them support them and do whatever we can to encourage them we're doing that trying to do that at the minute now they're back but the truth is we don't all have to go across the sea and miles away and uproot our whole life just to be involved in a different culture there are masses of diverse cultures around here and so the question is who is God sending you to it may be somebody on our own doorstep or it might be that just because of the way that travel works these days you can go to a a, a place that's a very different culture Stephen's led two trips to Romania over the past year and there's another one or two going in 2019 you know, where they've been able to go and, and just work with and bless and encourage and work alongside the local churches there to help them bless and encourage and reach their communities. It's entirely possible to go across culturally without uprooting your whole life. So the question is, where's God sending you? Is he sending you to a people, group of people around you? Is he sending you to a group of people further afield? Is that long term? Is it short term? And even if you're not sent to be somewhere further afield we can all be part of someone's journey. Josh and Amy are going to share in a few weeks' time about what they're doing. We want to hear that. We want to pray for them. We want to bless them in that. Maybe you can pray for someone. Maybe you can just be friends with them. Maybe you can visit and go on a trip and be encourage them. Maybe you can give financial support. That's how sending works in this church. And so we have a whole bunch of people that we've sent out from here in different times. 
Um, some of them we support with uh, some financial resources as well. Some of them uh, we don't as a church, but other people in the church do give. And we have, you can look on our website. And actually what we've got here is, um, I'll give these out afterwards. We, we've done our offering for tonight, but if you want to give really specifically to some of our global partners, then there's an opportunity to do that. There's a way to do that if you grab one of these envelopes. Or you can go online and give to one of the projects like the Romania thing that Steve was talking about. Or give to one of the projects like Karis Kids, which you'll hear about in a minute. Or give to one of our partners. So that's kind of all I wanted to say to set some of the context by which we're, by which we're thinking about global partnership and global mission. And um, as I said, we heard from uh, Johnny and, uh, well, from Beth this morning. But we're going to hear from Larissa. Who, um, For those of you who don't know who Larissa is, Larissa used to be the children's pastor here at this church. Um, she's Brazilian originally, and so she went back to Brazil. And Larissa and her husband, Ned, and they've just had a little baby whose name is... Somebody help me out. Thank you, Sophia. Um, she's three months old. Uh, and they're working in a little place called Recife. And they're working with the Ministry Shores of Grace, which is basically all about helping uh, prostitutes and women who are on the streets and who are working in that kind of work uh, to, to move away from that if that's what they want to do. So they're part of this mission. Um, so you're going to hear from Larissa and Ned. Um, the, other, the other mission partners we have uh, are Paul and Katie. They're, going to share, they're not going to share tonight, but they have um, newsletters if you want to pick one up. Paul told me he put some on the desk this morning. So if you want to grab one of Paul and Katie's newsletters and find out what they're doing as well, you can pick one of those up today. But why don't you, you guys up for running that video? Is that okay? Brilliant. So I'm going to hand you over to Larissa and Ned first. And then when that's done, Joe is going to come and introduce some of the, there are three or four of us here who were on the Karis Kids team uh, in Uganda. And we just want to share a few of our experiences with you as well. Over to Larissa and Ned. Hi, everyone. This is Ned and Larissa. And Sophia. And we're really excited to be here again with you guys, sharing a little bit about what we're doing here in Brazil, Recife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been, we obviously have been taking some time off to recover, but she's been doing great, and I'm now doing great too. Um, but Ned has been working a lot with the communities like we always do and our local volunteers and our team have been doing an amazing job um, with everything in the ministry. So as you know we rented a house in the community and we've been doing activities with the kids um, every Saturday morning and they love it and they've been coming and we see, we've seen a change in them and their attitude and, and just the way they are. They're just growing so much, and Ned started to do some discipleship with teenagers, um, also with a local pastor, which is really cool. He's known the kids for quite a while, and yeah, they've been doing that for a few weeks now. Yeah, it's been really exciting, like to see the hunger of the kids and like the thirst that they come with, and like we worship, we have the word, so like something that will attract and like actually also like stick in their hearts. So it's been really amazing to see like them coming like every week and hearing more and knowing more about like Papa God. It's been like really good. Yeah. Also with the discipleship with the women, uh, we started the Alpha Course and we finished it already, but we've been with them for about a year and one of our ladies just gave her life to God. She did it in her own home, um, just by herself. And she said, I felt ready. And so that's been really cool to see their hearts changing and them coming to this place where they can accept God, um, not just to accept Him, but to really think about it and to really get to know Him. And I started the Alpha Course with the boys of football, and they're really interested. In, yeah. It's been really good too. Like it's nice to see like their like a mind just like opening like to what God has for them and like them knowing God like in a deeper way. So that's the only way that we know, like, they're beloved, like, in a deeper way. And knowing, like, who God is, they will know their identity in God. So they will know, like, who He is, who they are, actually. And it's it's really good. So we play, we have fun, we have some food, and then we have Alpha, and then we just have fun talking about, like, God. Yeah. Yeah, and we continue with our visits uh, to everybody, but we're really focusing on the people who want more, and we really want them to go deeper and get to know God as their Father, and 
have a relationship with him and it's it's been really amazing thank you so much for praying for us uh for praying for sophia's birth and and for everything and just keep us in your prayers uh for the ministry uh one of our girls in the community has been using lots of drugs so pray that we can find a place for her to to have rehab she's underage so that's a little bit hard to find but pray for us for wisdom in the ministry for wisdom as parents um for just for more people being hungry and wanting to get to know god um two specific words that you can be praying for in prophesying over the people that we work with are intimacy with god and dependency on him that they won't be relying on what we can give him or what we can give them or what we can bring to them, but that they'll be dependent on the Father and that they'll have this hunger to go and seek him and have more intimacy with him. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for everything. It's really good to be sending you guys news about what we are doing here. We're really excited to see you guys. Yeah, and we're always praying for you as well. So we love you guys. We love you guys. Bye. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Um, I forgot to say, there is a trip going out to Recife next February. I think it's February, January or February anyway. There's about 10 people who are going to go. It's quite expensive and there's a lot of paperwork, but if you would love to be on that and you haven't yet, you need to speak to Edward. Um, He's not here tonight, so let me know if you want us to follow you up on that. We actually have a bunch of trips going different places, and again, there's details on the website. Um, but what I'd love us to do actually is, um, sorry to do this to you, I'd love us to just pray for these guys. I'm not sorry to do it to you. What I'm sorry to do to you is I'm going to ask you to do that in twos, okay, or threes, just where you are. If you're uncomfortable with that, don't feel there any pressure. Just just pray quietly on your own. But I'd love you, even if you don't know Ned and Larissa, you can see from the video some of the things that they're up to. And they gave us some specific things to pray about. They asked us to pray about intimacy with the people that they were with. And I think we could also pray for the trip that's coming out. Because when you get a bunch of people coming to get alongside you that's a real that's potentially that's a real big boost and a real encouragement to the people who are working there day after day week after week so you can pray for them and pray for little Sophia and her health and for them as a family would that be okay can I just invite you to turn where you are just in in twos and threes and just to pray just for a couple of minutes and then we're going to hear from the Karis team um, before we finish tonight as well go for it so why don't you just be bringing those prayers to a close Father, we want to just lift Ned and Larissa and little Sophia before you and thank you uh, for their partnership with us in the gospel. We pray your blessing on them. We pray encouragement, life, joy for all the, them and for all the work that they're doing. And we just lift them to you again this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. So uh, last but not least, Joe's just going to introduce uh, one or two of the team who are in uh, Uganda with us. And we've got some photos to go with this as well. Mm. So before they stand up, I'm just going to give you a little kind of summary. Many of you know about Caris Kids. It's been a partnership that we've had as a church for many years, for about 12 years. But some of you might be new to it. Um, Caris Kids is a charity which works in Kampala in Uganda, where they put AIDS orphans into extended families. And um, the way that it, the, the system works is that churches in the UK link with churches in Kampala and families in the UK link with families in Kampala. So families and individuals and a life group um, in this church um, send money on a monthly basis and it goes to help a family who have opened their arms to welcome in some orphans into their family. And so the money that um, helps with some basic provision, with, for example, um, just some basic food, but also education for the children in the family and it means that they can get through primary school many of them get through secondary school and then a couple have been through university um, and others just vocational training so they can then get work Um, so a team of us went over in the summer there were 19 of us Um, there are about 10 from this church and then nine others from other churches in Winchester and the aim of us going was that we would help at um, the summer camp so every other year Caris Kids puts on a summer camp takes the kids from the slums into a boarding school out in a 
a beautiful place so they can run around, eat loads of food, play football, do crafts, um, worship together, learn from the Bible, all that kind of jazz. And so there are some photos going around. You'll see, I said, Nigel put one up of me. I said, I look really tired. He said, yeah, you were really tired. It's long days. If you've ever done camps here in the UK, it's the same kind of thing. You get up early in the morning, you keep going, and then you finally fall into bed late at night. Um, But it was lots of fun. And as always with these partnerships, you know, we we go often to places thinking about what we're going to give and how we can help. But the thing that was really powerful for us was to discover that it is a partnership and that we can be really impacted by what God is doing. I was particularly struck by the team who worked on the camp, the Ugandans, who were some wonderful, really godly people. You know, day by day, they face huge challenges. They're working with kids who are in the slums, who have really, really difficult lives. And they have hard choices to make to work out which families we should support and which we shouldn't, and how to help them through some very difficult situations. And yet, the really godly and wonderful people who are doing this. And so I wanted to kind of partly thank you and also encourage you. Some of you do sponsor families, and that's wonderful. Thank you very much. Others of you, before we went away, bought a piece of cake, and that helped buy 200 flip-flops, which we took with us and the kids decorated. So whether or not you are invested in a regular monthly way, or whether you give to this church... And because one of the things we do is we pay the salary of Ketra, who is the the link worker there. Or whether you just bought a piece of cake um, because you fancied one. All of these are different ways that we as a church family are connected in with the project that's there. And it's making a huge difference in people's lives. So some of the team are here. We've got Jill and we've got Steve and we've got Wendy and we've got JJ, all of whom are just going to come and tell you a little bit about their experience, maybe something of what God's shown them through the time. So Wendy, you're going to come first. No, maybe not. Maybe Steve. I don't mind. All come up. Why don't you all come up and then you can pass the mic along. And the thing about this is, when you have an experience like this, we could all hold the mic and talk for a very long time. And tonight we're not going to do that. But what we are going to do is, if this whets your appetite, we're going to have an evening um, in a little while where you'd be welcome to come along and we're going to cook rice and beans, which we ate a very lot of when we were there, and tell some more stories. So if you want to be even more connected and engaged than you already are, there will be opportunity. But hopefully this is going to whet your appetite. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yes, I... uh have been supporting Caris Kids ever since this church began supporting it and I've always wanted to go to the summer camp it's been something that I've really wanted to go to um, and so I was really honoured and really privileged to be able to go on it this year this was my year and I managed to get there and it was brilliant and like Joe said it, it isn't just the summer camp it, it is this education that is going on on a year on a you know throughout the year rolling throughout the year and I had the privilege of talking with one of the girls on, before we started a camp. We went to the church service on the Sunday before. And I had the privilege of speaking to one of the girls who is sort of a graduate of the Caris Kids program. And she was so grateful, so, so grateful. And I just want to say that this really does make a difference. It really makes a difference. I was um, impacted by how grateful they are and how much they want this education. I'm a teacher, and I'm very used to standing in front of uh, a class of reluctant learners here in England. You know, why do I have to go to school? They know that their education is a passport out of the slums, out of where they are, and they are so grateful for it. There was a picture up there of me with uh, one of the the family that I helped support, One of the girls there has just finished a hairdressing um, vocation. She's got skills to be a hairdresser. I talked with one of the other girls on camp, and she's got aspirations to be a college lecturer. You know, there is so much potential in these people, so much potential. And the, the, the gracious generosity of people here is giving them that lifeline, that passport, that out of... um, Joe mentioned these passionate Ugandan people that were with us on camp some of them have themselves come from very poor backgrounds like this very similar surroundings and they've grown up and they've come out and they've become teachers or social workers or church workers and then they're plowing that back into these children it's such a valuable thing to be doing Uh, and um, I was impacted also by um, that, that like Joe said there was nearly 20 of us went out there each of us had 40 kilograms worth of baggage with these 
250 pairs of flip-flops in and caps and, and, and stuff. And I was just amazed that we all got there with all our luggage and got all the way back again. You know, there was no major illnesses, a bit of tiredness, wasn't there? We were very tired, but no one was majorly ill. God was so good, so good. You know, we all got there, all this, all this um, luggage got there and we all got back again. And we took out 300, I think it was 300 pairs of flip-flops. And we had, we had three colours, black, white and pink, and we had to kind of judge what the shoe size of, of all these children would be and get the right sort of combination. And we were busy um, decorating these flip-flops with, with our groups. And then one little girl came to camp late. She came halfway through late and she joined my group halfway through. And we were all busy doing our flip-flops. Oh, you need a pair of flip-flops. What size are you? Okay, you need small. What colour would you like? Pink? Okay. I went over to the resource centre where all our flip-flops would be. There was one pair of flip-flops left. One pair on the floor. What size were they? What colour were they? Yes. I was like, God, you are so amazing. You are so amazing that, you know, you just watched over us all and you knew the tiny little detail of everything. I could prattle on for ages, but um, um, there's so, no, so much more to say, but it's just awesome. Okay. Um, like Wendy, I was, I've been looking forward to wanting to go out there for a long, long time. And unfortunately, I'd, I'd, well, no, fortunately, I'd, I'd said it to, to too many people that I really want to go out there sometime. And so I was at a Christmas party and uh, Edward said, I hear you're coming out to Uganda this year. <laughs> anyway, it was, um, it was really good um, to, to, uh, to come out there. The, the, one of the main things which was uh, so good was just that we were... We were partnering with them. You know, every every small group of uh, 12, 12, 14 people had a Ugandan person and, and an English person, and the partnership was was very uh, meaningful, and I, certainly to me, and I hope hope to them too. We, we send out our money, but I, it just uh, it just it just became clear to me that this was us going out there was was very very significant. That this was. This was our giving in flesh, not not just in in in, in money. And the, and that uh, the, the biggest thing they'd, they'd asked for the, the the camp before was, please just we'd love more of you, love more of you. So I think our going, although you know sometimes we didn't understand what they were saying, we were you know, communication was not always easy. You you hoped that your communication was obviously more than just your words and. And just loving them and having fun with them, playing tag with the kids in the dormitory, just like I was a kid. Uh, I'm not a kid, really, but uh, but that was that was that was great fun. So partnering was was great. We we come and we give what we we have, um, and financially we of course have far more than they have, and that was very it was very difficult knowing. You know that that the family we support, you know, live on five pounds a day, and we come and we think we're generous, giving a couple of footballs and things like that. But when we when we came to visit our family, bless them, they'd scurried back to their house, they didn't know we were coming, and they'd provided cakes for us and and lemonade for us. But boy, you know that that cost them so much. And a pastor who uh, we we visited had had been saving for three months to feed us for 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 a sort of for a barbecue of a, of a of a goat and things like that. So it's so humbling, so humbling that they, you know we give what we give out of our huge wealth comparatively, and they give out of um, their resources, which are not not nearly so big. So it's a very humbling thing, but. The, the main thing that all of us give is 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 Jesus. These kids, these kids won't won't sort of get very very far unless they they have a real faith. And so all, all we have is is what what gives God gives us. And we just pray that that the little that we we give in terms of ourselves when we when we go has has some uh, significance that's that's far beyond what we can actually give. Hi, I'm Jojo. There was uh, many emotional moments at camp. 
and many stories to tell, but uh, I would be a long time here if I told all of them. So uh, one of them was how grateful the children are. So on the first day, I remember we were walking into this hall and it was nearly dinner time. So we went for dinner after we'd set up all our rooms and stuff and I was pretty unkeen of the food. It was quite simple, quite bland, and I didn't really like it. Um, but then I saw the children and they were scoffing it down, eating ten times the amount I would have on my plate and they would go for seconds and thirds and uh, it made me think how fortunate we are to have money to buy food and clothes and all the accessories we need and uh, yeah I think that was just quite emotional for me. Oh yeah also the bed situation was quite and the room situation was quite uh, basic yeah. Um, yeah, it was not very nice to stay in there for a whole week, but uh, I remember that that would be sort of luxury hotel for them because many of them wouldn't have had mosquito nets or mattresses or they wouldn't get a whole night's sleep because uh, I found out later in the week that they had to take shifts in sleeping where sometimes families of six or seven would only get about two hours sleep in one night. And then I told them we usually get about nine hours sleep and his jaw dropped and it was, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, JJ. And one of the things was because they were crammed into very small homes, they had to take shifts on using the mattresses so people couldn't sleep for, you know, some people had to sleep in the daytime and some in the evening. Jill, did you want to share your story? No, okay, that's fine, thank you. If you want to find out your story, you're going to have to ask her. So that was an opportunity that we were privileged enough to have to go and be involved in a short-term mission. And there will be other trips going. So, as Nigel said, if you'd like to be involved some more, then you might want to think about budgeting. You know, the, the next camp is two years away, which is a long time away, but might be... Oh, apparently there's been one next summer. It's not quite so long to budget then. You'll have to save up quicker. But it might also be that you choose just to be involved in partnering with Caris with one of these other things in an ongoing way, however you feel that you have capacity. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, you guys, for sharing. (coughs) So just a couple of quick practical things before we finish. If you want to give to uh, specifically to Mission and to Global Partners, there is, uh, you can do that via our website or there are envelopes here. Guys, why don't you, worship guys, why don't you come back? And, um, yeah, if you want to sort of find out more about what's going on uh, with Karis, uh, speak to uh, one of us, one of the team who went along, uh, if you want to get more involved in that. But I'd just love to encourage each of us, why don't you stand where you are, and um, why don't we just take a moment to respond to what the Lord's doing before we finish. We have drinks, we have food, we have plenty of time to hang out and just catch up with one another. Um, But let's just take a moment, and because I had this sense that as I was talking earlier about mission, and for some of you, as you've heard these stories shared, um, there's something within you, and you just know that the Lord is calling you. And I said earlier, everybody is sent. Everybody is sent. So it may not be that the Lord is calling you overseas. It may just be that you have a sense that you know that God is speaking to you about going or doing something specific for a certain person or set of people. And if that's you, I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to quicken that and almost to fan the flames of that, if that's what God is saying and doing with you. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place and we thank you for your mission, for your mission, for your heart for people. I thank you that the, out of the overflow of a joyful heart, out of the gratefulness that we have in all that you've done for us comes this urge to go and tell others and share your good news practically or what, in whatever ways. And uh, I just want to pray for those particularly this evening who you are just putting your finger on, Holy Spirit. And just as I look around even now, can sense just there's some of us in the room and we just really do sense that God is saying, yep, this is you. You know God is talking to you. You know there is more. It might be something really long-term or it might just be getting involved in one of those trips. It might be investing some money in one of the global 
projects or partners, it may just be being called to pray. Or actually, maybe it's closer to home and God is just saying, I want you to do this for your neighbor, or I want you to do that for the people that you work with. And so whatever God is calling you to, I just encourage you to push into that. Just to allow him to touch you. And Holy Spirit, would you come and fan the flames? And Lord, where there's just some sort of spark or ember, or maybe it's just an old distant dream that you thought we thought we'd forgotten about. Where you are speaking to us about your call to mission, would you just come now, Holy Spirit, and, and just fan those flames again? We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your work among us. We thank you that you have a heart for people and a heart for mission and a heart for sending. And we pray your blessing and your encouragement for those. And I'm not going to invite you to come out to the front, although you're welcome to if you want to, but if you just have that sense that God is talking to you about that or about anything else I just want to encourage you to stay in that place I just want to encourage you to stay in that place of openness responsiveness to the spirit and I'm just going to pray for you and maybe there'll be people around you who might pray for you as well if you've come here with another need if you've come here with an emotional or physical need again I'd just love just, just to hold your hands out and just push it maybe close your eyes and just concentrate on the God is doing and focus on him and I can see that his spirit is resting on a number of us and so Holy Spirit we just thank you for your work among us I thank you for all that you're doing in us and through us I thank you for the transforming and changing work that you complete within us Jesus and I pray Holy Spirit that you would help us to hear your voice to sense your call to grow in your heart are going to play gently and if God is talking to you just stay in that place and somebody may come and pray for you they may just lay a hand on you and bless you but if you're if you know God if, if God is talking to you then just stay in that place just soak up all that he wants to do talking with you this evening but he is clearly resting on somebody around you or close to you then just give you permission freedom to go and pray God's blessing on them if that's something you've done before or that you're used to doing around here just have a little glance around you and see what God is doing just pray for pray for those that God is talking to and ministering to right now Spirit for your work among us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work among us.